Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And we're going to help you keep it running thanks to the advice, the help we get from Nick Stoffel from Lloyd's Automotive in St. Paul. Morning, Nick. Good to see you. Good morning, Denny. Away from uh, Lloyd's Automotive once in a while. I always see you there. Yes, I came all the way across the river. Mm-hmm. And we're glad you did because I would have been awfully silly trying to answer these questions myself. Uh, But if you do have a car issue, truck, van, whatever the case may be, and before you bring it into your favorite dealer or your favorite shop, uh, Nick is going to give you an idea what might be wrong with it. So at least, and we say this a a lot, that it it helps the service writer, whomever, uh, to say, here's what I think is wrong with it. It's a tremendous amount of help. Cuts to the chase. Absolutely. We, you know, you say we talk about all the time trying to get, um, trying to help our listeners become more equipped so they can. Uh, share that information with the shop as they right. do bring the vehicle in because oftentimes people have this sense they want to hold something back because right. it might cost more. That's right. And in reality, the more information, as silly as it seems, write it down. You can bring in a book. It doesn't matter. As long as you come in and say, you know, when I'm on these situations, these days, these conditions, these driving habits, this happens, we can try to duplicate that and try to cut to the chase. I was thinking as I was uh, heading home yesterday, uh, um, I hit uh, – the, the typical pothole. We're coming into that season, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. What, what can happen? Because it, it, it hit it pretty good, although it wasn't a huge one like the, the we've all experienced before. What can ha- what can be damaged? Yeah, we're, we're, le- we're leaving winter into crater season, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, well, it's it's somewhat, um, it's you know, the cars are designed. They have suspension. The tires have air in them, so they're there to absorb a lot of the unevenness, the bumps in the road, but as you know, we get some of these really deep potholes, and the most severe case is you can actually have a tire blowout. Oh, yeah. Um, but more commonly, you know, a lot of these components in the steering and suspension are wearable items. As they start to wear, they start to get a little more movement in them. You catch one of those potholes or one of those seams in the road, and it can just make that looseness worse, you know, so essentially wear the part out. So you'll find, you know, that happens. Uh, it's, you know, it's going to snow obviously today but this next week it's going to warm up we start opening the windows in our cars we start to hear noises that we haven't heard in yeah, six months um so that it's like this time of the year that we start to find out some of those things that we weren't even aware of uh that need attention whether it be brakes for noise uh tie rods ball joints any of that stuff and the truth is if you hear something take it in at least for an assessment because if you're hearing a noise something's gone loose. Be a little more proactive. Absolutely, because this is the time of the year when those things can become a safety issue. If you have a car care question for Nick, by all means, we'll take your phone call or text messages, whatever is easier for you. 651-989-9226 is the phone number. Or uh, we're already getting text messages, Nick. That number is 81807. Let's grab a text here this morning. Let's see, how necessary, Texter writes, is it to change brake fluid? My car is a Honda CRV 2013. Dealership says I need to do this. The car has 28,000 miles on it. That comes from Mary. You know, it, it's, it does need to be serviced. It is a fluid that's in the vehicle along with oil, power steering vehicle, some vehicles, transmission fluid, that coolant. You know, the intervals change, you know, depending on the make and the model. A lot of manufacturers like that 30,000 mile in- interval. Um, 
you know, brake fluid, when it's new, it's almost clear. Maybe yeah. a little bit of a caramel color to it. But you open that reservoir after a couple of years, and it looks very dark and dirty. Now, keep in mind, that's hydraulic fluid that operates your brakes. Right. So if there's any sediment, any dirt, it collects moisture. It's hydroscopic. So it's collecting moisture, which makes your brakes less effective. So is it a... A safety issue by any means? Not necessarily, but is it really good maintenance to keep your brakes operating properly, extend the life of the brakes and the brake system? Absolutely. So it's it's a good service to be done. It can be tested or inspected to give you a recommendation on if it's due. Well, maybe the shop looked at it and it looked kind of kind of dark. Correct. And said, yeah, let's do that. 28,000 miles doesn't seem like a lot of mileage it, on that. It but. doesn't. And if you if you go through your owner's manual, yeah. as we always reference, right. they have that service interval. And they'll have a list of inspections and replacements. Oftentimes, a brake fluid falls under the inspection for a few of those intervals. And at one point, it becomes a replacement. But it doesn't mean you can't do it a little bit earlier right. or a yeah. little bit later as long as you're taking care of it. Good point. All right. Let's go to the phones, Nick. Uh, who's waiting the longest? Mike is calling from uh, Blaine. Mike, you're on with Nick. Yeah, Nick. Been uh, under that place I hate to be. That's called the hood. We, uh, I guess what I'm wondering is, how hard is it to touch the negative and positive cables together and clear the computer? I've got a uh, Ford Ranger that's, geez, it, the power just goes off on it. Uh, the gauges go down. I put a new battery on it. works. I've come to the theory that's been my deal. I've unconnected the batteries and I've reset the computer. But do you totally, now I did this, this is the first time by, I did touch both the, the positive and the negative together, and I haven't had any trouble for two months, and I've been having trouble constantly. Did that really clear the computer? You know, a lot of the memory of the computer system, there'll be capacitors that'll kind of help store that power to keep that, that memory alive. Um, so oftentimes, yeah, you can disconnect the battery. It'll kind of do like a soft reset. But as you described, on certain vehicles, it's okay to remove both those cables, touch them together for a few moments, just to allow everything to uh, dissipate, lose all of its capacity. And then when you reconnect it, you're officially restarting, kind of like rebooting your computer at home. So um, if that worked for you, congratulations. You know, you had some sort of mishap or miscue with the computer system that just needed a little bit more uh, of a, a reset. All right. Very good. You know what, Nick? We'll have to take a quick break here. I want to alert all the folks on the line. Stay there. We're going to just uh, take a quick break. We'll be right back, and we'll grab some text messages as well. This is CCO Car Care Show. It's 10 above now. We gained a couple of degrees in the last hour. We're heading to about 31 today, but uh, during the day today, folks, weather folks are predicting 1 to 3 inches of that new snow and maybe overnight tonight into tomorrow morning, 3 to 5 also. So you stay tuned to CCO. Right now, 10 degrees above zero. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of CCO's Car Care Show. Danny Long here with the Nick Stoffel from Lloyd's Automotive, which is located where? In St. Paul, as we as we know. Yeah. Uh, lovely Grand Avenue. We're at 982 Grand Avenue. So if you're ever in the neighborhood, stop by and say hi. Uh, if you ever need to call us, you can always reach us at 651-228-1316. And if you're in front of your tablet or computer, uh, we're at lloydsautomotive.net, and that's L-L-O-Y-D-S automotive.net. Very good. It's a great website, too. Well, you guys had a change here in the what, yeah. last few months or so? Something like that? It's, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, think so. I don't remember. That's not your part of it, yeah. All right. Uh, we've got callers, Nick, and texters as well. Let's uh, not keep them waiting any longer. Uh, Claudio is calling from Victoria. Good morning. What can we do for you, Claudio? Yes, I have a 2009 Toyota Highlander. 
I take it in regularly to a, to a dealer for its oil changes. The last two oil changes, uh, they mentioned that I had a slight leak on a timing cover. Uh, very expensive repair. The part's cheap, but the labor's very expensive. One service tech said just uh, watch it, and if you start seeing oil drip on the floor, uh, come and let's get it done. The last service tech said you need to get it done. What would you recommend? If something's, I mean, you know, so leaks are subjective. You know, how long is a stream? You know, it's always a matter of an opinion. My opinion is if something's damp or seeping, it doesn't seem to be affecting anything else, meaning that there's no wiring or nothing else, or any, any hoses being saturated with oil, and it's kind of just kind of collecting on the cover, I think it's okay, in my opinion. I agree if it's starting to drip, which means that leak has gotten significant enough where it could become a, a gusher, I guess you could say. Um, I think at that point it should definitely be done. But it's a, it's a subjective opinion. I w- my recommendation is the next time somebody looks at it, have them show you yeah. and have them explain to you like, okay, here's why I think you need to do it now because this oil is getting on these hoses or this wiring or this component where it can damage it. You know, I mean, if it's dripping onto an alternator and it shorts out the alternator, now you need a timing cover gasket and an alternator. Yeah. So you want, you, want to, you want to prevent that snowballing effect on yourself. But if it's just damp, just collecting some oil, you know, that happens with even us. We start to leak at some point, you know? <laughs> That's true. So, you That's know, for but, another show, however. Yeah. <laughs> but with your car, as, as it ages, you start going to get some things that, you know, maybe are not um, – and that is important in the priority list. So I would yeah. keep an eye on it and have somebody show you, give you a better understanding of what they're talking it's about. That's a good idea. Yeah. Thank you, Claudia. Uh, Paul is calling from St. Paul. Paul, you're on with Nick. How are you guys doing today? Morning. Um, I have a 2005 F-150. Um, after sitting overnight in this cold weather, I started up, and it has that classic, I need power steering fluid noise for about 15 seconds and then it goes away and my reservoir is full but it feels like i have manual steering so the the first and the easiest thing to do as we talked a little bit earlier about brake fluid same thing with power steering that fluid gets dark dirty sediment it collects in the bottom of the reservoir when you fire it up the fluid's cold so it's thicker that pump really, really wants that fluid to lubricate it. When it doesn't, it yells at you, and that's what you're hearing. And then if it's making noise, it means it's not making any pressure, which results in a hard steering wheel. So my recommendation is take it to your shop. Have them look to see if there's no kind of restrictions, there's no kind of other additional issue, but maybe start with changing all that fluid, and I think you'll be surprised at how much better it uh, behaves in response to that. I think about what you guys did to my uh, car a couple of weeks ago. I had to put in a new pump. You did. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't want that. You want to no. do the fluid. As Danny knows, yes. power stream pumps can be very expensive. So do, change out that fluid. Give yourself a chance to get, you know, uh, give some more life out of that pump. Took out my 401k for that. <laughs> really. You'll have to talk to somebody else about that. <laughs> I know. All right. Good luck, Paul. Check it out. Tom in Farmington is next. Then we're going to grab some text messages. Uh, good morning, Tom. What can we do for you? Yeah, thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm. I have a 1999 Chevy Tahoe. Uh, with four-wheel drive, and recently had a uh, CV shaft and new tires put on the front end. When I'm in four-wheel drive high, when I get to about 30 miles an hour, I get this vibration, kind of a growling sound coming out of the front, and then at about 55, it clears off. 
When it's in two-wheel drive, I don't have that. So I'm thinking something is wrong with the four-wheel drive because it only happens when I'm in four-wheel drive. But could it have something to do with the CV shaft that is put in there, or what What do you suspect might be the issue? It, it is possible if that uh, drive axle CV shaft, as you explained, isn't balanced, if there's some sort of imperfection in it creating a bit of a vibration. But I think you're you – know, keep in mind that that shaft – is always spinning because if the car is moving, it's going with it. But you're right on with the, you know, maybe there's something going on with the four-wheel drive. Maybe that front differential has a bearing or something going on. Um, I think it's probably worth, you know, we're getting close to the four-wheel, end of the four-wheel drive season, but you don't want to run the risk of having it not work when you need it. Uh, maybe not a bad idea. Take it back to the place that put that axle in and those tires on for it and just share with them. Take them for a test drive. Say, come for a ride with me. Show them what's doing at 30 miles an hour. Have them take it back. Bring it in, lift it up, and give it a give it a good once over for you. Okay, thank you, Tom. By the way, here's our phone number, and keep in mind, Nick's going to be here for about another fifteen minutes or so, and we'll make way for Jack Farrell. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Text is eight one eight zero seven. Speaking of which, here's a text to Nick: two thousand three Jeep with one hundred one thousand miles. Should I switch to semi synthetic oil? You know, the we've talked about oil oh, yeah, a million a times. So oil is just that. It's oil. Um, the, the term synthetic is somewhat of an advertising term. It's marketing. It's yeah. marketing. And a true synthetic that's a full synthetic is truly a full synthetic. Well, to make it a semi-synthetic, there has to be some sort of engineering, modifying chemistry involved. Most oils have that. If you look at most oils, they'll say it's a semi-synthetic um, the, the old traditional conventional stuff has kind of gone by the wayside. My opinion on changing oil halfway through the life of a vehicle is probably not the best idea. I mean, if no. things have been going well, it's not leaking anything. It's not consuming any. What's the plan? Change your oil on a regular basis. Do yeah, as, as long always, as you change it regularly. Just right? do what you always yeah. have done. You don't want to create another problem. I know there's some of these products that claim to extend the life of the vehicle, right. and I'm not a scientist. I can't prove that yes or no. But typically, my opinion is do what you've always have done on a regular basis, and you'll be just fine. Okay. Very good. Quick break, Nick. Then we'll be back with more car care here on A3OWCCO. Snow on the way uh, during the day today. The weather folks are predicting one to three inch possible, uh, one to three inches. And then tonight, snow, mainly before one in the morning. Some could be heavy at times. We'll have that full forecast coming up in a moment. Right now, 10 degrees above zero. Good morning. Welcome back to CCO's Car Care Show. Denny Long here with Nick Stoffel from Lloyd's Automotive in St. Paul, helping you out with your vehicle problems. And we have a few uh, on the text line, Nick. Let's uh, see if we can't uh, help a few out before you take your leave today. By the way, you guys open today, right? Yeah, I'll be there. You'll be there till uh, noon today. We'll time it. We'll see how much I can do. Okay, fine. All right. Somebody wants to know how difficult is it to remove a rear bumper with sensors on a 2016 Silverado? Good question. Um, You can, well, let's do some research. You know, I mean, you can, uh, careful with YouTube because things always appear to be simpler on YouTube than they are in reality. (laughs) Keep in mind that we live in Minnesota, so those nuts and bolts might be rusty. Uh, you can get a service manual. Maybe the library might have one. You can maybe search online. Um, be careful to make sure you unplug any electrical connections before you start pulling a big heavy bumper off because I assure you when the bumper comes down, those connections are coming unplugged. Oh, yeah. And they'll likely ruin wiring and connectors. So if this is something you want to take on yourself, use caution, support that bumper, find the manual, make sure you have all the appropriate tools. But it should be something that I think a person with uh, – 
you know, a typical aptitude and a, a good set of hand tools to be able to take on a nice little weekend project. Yes, but good, good. I think it was the first time we ever had kind of a body shop question here. Yeah, nuts and bolts, lefty, loosey, ready, yeah. tidy. Right? All right, very good. Texter says, my kid drove an old 05 Cadillac SRX with the on-demand four-wheel drive. Christmas Day, driving home on Highway 169 from his future in-laws gathering in New Prague, he said all of a sudden something underneath sounded like a high-revving dirt bike. Then the car just rolled to a stop. The engine runs fine, but the car won't move. What do you think? Maybe his future in-laws don't like him. I wonder. No, uh, I suspect, obviously, you're thinking the same thing, uh, something with the transmission. Right, yeah. So maybe it lost uh, lost pressure, lost fluid, lost some something, and the revving was the uh, planetary gears or the drums inside that transmission winding up or that one-way clutch winding up and the car stopping. So unfortunately, on a 12-year-old Cadillac that needs a transmission, uh, do your research. I would imagine it might be somewhat expensive, but you know, d- depending on – the condition of the vehicle may or may not be worth the repair. All right. Uh, here's a 2008 Hyundai Sonata. I've been hearing, Texter says, a pinging noise for the last few months. It was It's most noticeable when I'm first accelerating. It resembles a piece of tin metal flapping. Comes from David. So I would mm-hmm. suspect maybe an exhaust shield. Oh, yes. Uh, so as we know, those exhaust shields are fun. You know, they're, they're designed to protect... Tall grasses, the underbody of the vehicle, the fuel tank, things from that excessive heat and the exhaust. Unfortunately, in our climate here, things rust. And those tin shields are just tack welded. So as those tack welds come free, those pieces of tin just uh, rattle and tweak and squeak and make all kinds of fun noises. The reason it changes likely is because as it heats up, the exhaust gets very hot, things tighten up a little bit. The noise goes away. Aha. Uh-huh. That won't be forever. At some point, it'll just make that annoying noise all the time. So next time you're in for service, likely they can remove it or reclamp it or in some cases replace them. So it's probably worth the annoyance factor of getting that fixed. All right. Very good. Let's see who's next here as far as the text screen goes. Uh, when starting my 2008 Hyundai's Elantra, it makes a loud squealing noise for five seconds. Is this my belts? Otherwise, the car runs fine. We've got the best listeners in the world. We don't do. We? They, They've analyzed little, it already. Little self-diagnosis. It is likely the belt. Uh, could also be a pulley, though, so keep in mind, a belt slipping a little bit maybe goes away, but if one of those either pulleys, one of those bearings is screeching at you, you don't want that to give out because that will make the belt to stop moving. Mm-hmm. So same thing like the last texture there. Take it in for service. Mention to them that on a cold start it's making this noise. You might even need to drop it with them the night before so they could be the first ones to start in the morning to witness this noise, to exactly pinpoint it. Um, but, you know, your car is, when your car is talking to you, it's telling you that it needs a little help. So it's better not to ignore those things yes. and fix them before those little annoyances become a big problem. That's right. Okay, here's another one. Uh, hi, Nick. Uh, texter says, my question is how much, well, maybe a ballpark figure if you can do it, how much will it cost me to bring my 2014 Chevy Silverado to you to find out what's wrong with my heated seats? They both went out. They both went out. Um, it's based on time, like, like anywhere you go. So, you know, you bring the vehicle in and you need to first confirm the customer concern. You're saying they're not working. Try them both. Then you're going to go through the, the circuitry. You print out the wind diagram. You find the switch. You find the fuse, likely a relay. Oftentimes you actually end up at the seat element plug in there. Make sure you have a good power, ground, and signal there. Maybe you check the resistance of that seated pad there. 
Uh, is it a half hour's labor, an hour's labor, hour and a half labor? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, variable. It, it, it really depends on how long it takes to find the source of the problem. My one question for you when you take it into those where you, you do bring it into, uh, if both seats went out at the same time, probably not a seating element, probably something that's related to both, a fuse or some sort of control mechanism. Yeah. So just a little clue to share with the shop as you bring it into them. All right, good deal. All right, let's see who is next here. My car is experiencing a very slow rise in coolant temp and lack of early heater output. I've been told it's because, I don't know what this is, a GDI engine. Uh, could you tell me why a GDI engine would be the cause of this problem? I'm going to see if I can see the, uh, what is that? Well, GDI is direct injected fuel systems, but they're saying that their temp gauge is getting a little bit higher and it's slower to get heat. Very slow rise in the coolant temp and lack of early heater output. Well, that's that's a thermostat. Yeah. Uh, not It's not the engine problem necessarily. Well, the... Depending on the make and model of the vehicle, but typically, and cars have gotten very, very sensitive, in theory, once you turn the key, the car wants to be up to running temp as fast as possible so it can become very efficient with fuel and emissions. The thermostat, if it is stuck open or not fully closed, it'll allow coolant to circulate, which takes longer to heat up all of the antifreeze, oh, yeah. just as the, the little antifreeze in the engine there. So what's happening is is it's slowly heating the whole system versus, versus just part of the system initially, which means it's slower for the gauge to come up and it's slower for you to get heat. But keep in mind, when the car runs cooler than design, the fuel system will run richer, which ultimately, going way back you know, a couple decades, you could flood your car out, which we don't hear that so much anymore, but that can happen again. So... Take that in, have them confirm that the thermostat is bypassing, and have that replaced before you have a bigger problem. Good deal. Here's one from uh, John and Coon Rapids. This week, I had business on Grand Avenue. Lo and behold, across the street was Lloyd's Automotive. I smiled, finally saw the famous Lloyd's Automotive. So, so he's there a, you go. likely at the dry cleaners, Jimmy John's, or the bank. Or the bank. <laughs> That's what across the street is, yeah. Uh, here's a text, uh, 2011 F-150. The left blinker works, right blinker only does three blinks and stops. Bulbs are good. Emergency flashes work. Anything I can do? Yeah, that might be a little bit deeper. You know, um, bulbs are good. Flashers good. I'm with you there. Somebody probably with the appropriate tools and wiring schematic needs to get in there and figure out there's something with the switch, something bypassing. A lot of these turn signals are now controlled by the body control module, which is one of the computers in the cars. So probably need to take that one in, have your uh, have your regular mechanic take a closer look for you. Okay, let's see. we have time for another one? Yes, we do. 2001 Monte Carlo. Light comes on to service the traction control. What does that entail? And most of the time when it goes off uh, is when I'm uh, turning to the right. So my, my guess, here's your... your, your Free guess on the, on the air here yes. is that maybe one of the air gaps, one of these sensors and one of the wheel bearings isn't reading precisely as the others are. So as you make that turn to the left, the variance of the speed of the wheels is enough to confuse the computer. It says something's going on here. One of these wheels is spinning. Get me some help. So that's one, my two cents. One more quick one, then, uh, then we're going to make way for Jack. Uh, let's see. Nick, can I replace a door actuator myself? VW Passat, or is that just too tough? Don't I don't th- don't even try. Yeah, probably not worth the potential 
additional cost from broken pieces. Okay, very good. Uh, what's phone number at Lloyd's today? 651-228-1316. See you. Is Dan going to be back next week, you think? We'll find out. Hopefully huh? he makes it back. All right, yeah. Let's, uh, we'll we'll right, debrief him here. then. All right, thanks, Nick. Nick Stoffel from Lloyd's Automotive. 10 above zero, Jack Farrell's wine chat straight ahead. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 